starting the actual show. Welcome. It's that time again. Actual show starting now. Greasy Conversation, the talk show. It's occurring near you and all around you as we speak. And we like it. And a little bit inside of you. Yes. And leaking externally as well. Ideally, as you tell your friends through this disgusting metaphor to, like, totally check it out, too. If we help and bless your life today, like, these people are so excited about it, It's totally worth getting a little body fluid on yourself. It's worth it. Bodily fluid. Tell everyone. Just, just rub it all over. Just rub it all in there. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's always okay. Everything's okay. Everything was kind of okay in the news this week, relatively. The worst thing is just the weirdness about uh, how if you decide to lock up immigrants instead of just deporting them, and then you throw your arms up in the air and say, hey, I'm not separating them from their children, I'm just locking them up. But you can't, like, lock up the kids with the adults. Like, if you're putting adults in jail, you have to separate them from their children. Yeah, so, and, like, trying to frame it like that, too. Like, I'm not separating them, we're just locking up the parents. yeah. And then the kids were just stashing them somewhere, losing track of 1,500 of them, letting yeah, several of them go, Christ, just giving away someone else's kids after you lock them up for trying to move somewhere where they can get a better life, not through the process that you want them to. And uh, you, <laughs> then the kids are given to some trafficker. That happened. Like a known child trafficker got a bunch of these people's kids. Jesus. <laughs> I, I don't know. The whole like anti-immigrant thing just seems like such a dick move, too. You know, it's like, all of our uh, ancestors moved here from another country and, like, yeah. took over shit, and then they were like, nope, we got everything we wanted, fuck anyone else. It's pretty hypocritical for the whole birth of this nation and what this nation's always stood for and been built on. It's been generations of immigrants yeah. alienating the, the rookies as they new people as they come. But now our hazing is getting, like, too... Uh, Serious, we're blocking out all kinds of work we actually need. All agriculture industries are struggling to like have anyone do it because for people to live here, there's better jobs that pay more. So we're not going to yeah. pick strawberries. It's just how that is. And if someone's desperate for that, why not let them come here and do that? Yeah, and that's we like another anyway. part. Of, that's another part of the argument too. Like immigrants are coming over and taking jobs. Yeah, they're taking jobs like people who live here aren't going to do. Like, yeah. all y'all motherfuckers bitching, go pick strawberries, man. The same party Shit's saying that hard. is the party, like, announcing that we've got record low unemployment. Yeah. So if we've got the lowest unemployment ever, aren't we in the best position to take in um, immigrants? And yeah. no, that would mean that there's the most unfilled jobs, too, if there's record unemployment. So it just yeah. seems like a perfect storm of that being helpful for our economy. Let alone looking at any legit statistics on, like, crime in immigrant areas or what kind of effect they're actually happening uh at causing socially and yeah you know, like it's spoiler that, the effect's good yeah it's always like and, and that positive effect and that goes into like social programs too that the same people are always bitching about you know like welfare and food stamps yeah like that's a net gain for our economy like, those are people that are going to come here and not be able to take advantage of those programs. I know. Anyway. But they're going to be working and having to pay taxes. It's going to be pulled out of their W-2 checks 
that they're getting because they're not 1099ing, they're not working under the table. They're actually, if they're able to move here and work legally, they can have unemployment taxes pulled from them and given to our citizens that are when they're struggling through those social programs. It helps out our uh, the OG people. But you're forgetting that taxes are also bad. Oh yeah. So like, we're just. <laughs> oh yeah, we're not supposed to tax anybody. We're just anymore. digging a. We're just. We're just digging a nice little hole here. Where Holy everything, crap. everything is fucking bad, <laughs> except giving money to rich people. That's. So what? yeah, what do we leave behind then? That you know, I think that'll fix this whole problem. If if everyone who's working now, if you're not already like a billionaire, just every paycheck, just just give it. Just give it to someone. Give it to the Koch brothers, <laughs> you know, George Soros, you know. Then, it, then they'll all be happy. They'll have all the money, and you know, uh, I th- everything will just be better, man. You know, <laughs> no taxes. Shit, man, that's the life. Yeah, I hate paying taxes similar to what someone would pay in a country where they're not also paying what I'm paying in health insurance for like the yeah. same. And it used to be that we had like better hospitals and stuff. But now it's like, no, unless I want to move to another state where that particular hospital specializes in what's particularly wrong with me, or go to Florida or California for, like, anything, then I'm going to have, like, second-rate cancer treatment or whatever. Yeah. Well, it trips me out, too, that, like, people, you know, always bitching about, like, socialist healthcare, whatever that is, because, like, socialism is a, you know, economic model, but whatever. <laughs> um, so... And, like, I see, like, Facebook posts all the time. Like, we live in the country where there's, like, people start GoFundMe pages to afford, like, diabetes medicine, you know? It's so sad to have and, to like, do that. Yeah. And, like, I see tons of Facebook posts that, like, it's about healthcare and how it's so expensive. And all I can think is that at least, you know, you should be thankful that you have that freedom to be charged so much for healthcare. At least you don't have to suffer the horrors of the the socialist systems yeah. where like people so- just people just get to go to doctors yeah. you know but someone gets to go to a doctor without paying yeah anything they don't even pay taxes they're so poor they don't pay taxes and they go to doctors for free you're telling me you want that to happen in this country fuck no and and acting like the alternative is like we get oh no doctors and we're living in like one of the handful of countries in Africa that doesn't have any kind of healthcare. Yeah, right. But we're like, those are our peers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, no, we could get, like, anywhere in Europe and have stuff handled. But, yeah. Like, my asthma medicine, they're like $400 in uh, healthcare prices extra above taxes. And I still can't afford my half my asthma medicine. The copay is too much. Jesus. It's ridiculous. Well, anyway, we just had some guests. Guest time occurred. Woo! Pull those, pull those mics on. Pick your favorite one. I prefer you grab the one closest to you, but you can switch it up on the other one. Oh, these guys. Hold on. Let's lean them out. All right. Silence them. Okay. How are you guys doing? Go ahead and holler out your names sequentially to the earth. I'm Elise Peterson. I'm Ludu. And we have you guys on here today, not for musicianhood and not simply for tea gladness. But for excellent conversation party magic. Yay! Well, we're going to talk at you and kind of let you talk sometimes. 
<laughs> and we're super stoked about the tea too. So. Yeah, are we allowed to serve tea for you guys? We awesome. require it as soon as possible. Okay, all right, we've we determined that all future shows must have oh. substantial teas. Oh, good. Well, you know, we can <laughs> when you help guys you are here, that. which will be like one every season. Or <laughs> <laughs> we can set you up a little tea station. Yeah, I'd yeah. be down to do that. See, like, could sponsor tea for the show. That'd be great. That would oh be, yeah, you'd be like our first sponsor. That's not one of the radio station sponsors. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. No problem. Sweet. Well, oh, yeah, we're already winning. Yep. You guys we'll witnessing our wheeling and dealing live. We have a very transparent show. We talk about our ad statistics. We talk about stuff you're totally not supposed to talk about of your own yeah. show. How are your stats? Are you our stats are like increasing steadily. Well, so the video, Facebook video time, we usually end up around 100 by the time the weekend's and get a good 40 to 70 people that tune in live, depending okay. on how busy live times are. Yeah. And then, like, a better show will bump closer into 200. Awesome. Weekend. Well, let's make a goal. Yeah. Maybe 20,000? Let's totally get this show. Uh, not. <laughs> let's get this show to 200 on the Facebook view. Okay. And then this month we had, uh, I want to say, a close to double that-ish on the stats of people tuning into the station at RadioVegas.rocks. Yeah. The important thing is that on the sta- on the sponsors that aren't you guys uh, that we're going to mention today, RadioVegas.rocks is the thing that you mentioned to get things from those sponsors or let them know that we're doing stuff with them or whatever. That's the web radio station that is allowing this to happen on it. Fantastic. But you all, I want people to mention Greasy Conversation to you. Oh, good. <laughs> I want you to get some hella greasy conversation haulers. And by the way, T-Let, it's tlet.com, right? Yep. It's yeah, a simple it's one. so easy to find. There's there's a sticker here. Oh, awesome. You got the tea fairy on there. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my most positively commented on stickers. Oh, good. Good, good, good. She's everywhere. She's yeah. like She's kind of like my tag. You know, actually how it originated, uh, I was, when I first started the company, I was doing this marketing project through one of our investors uh, where we had to ask a question like from the viewpoint of our customers um, in order to like test a hypothesis and then do s- some scientific experiments to test a hypothesis. And it's usually around technology. You would, you would build some minimum viable product to, you know, answer this question. And at this time, I didn't have any tech. My programmer had just started working with me. And so uh, I couldn't build any tech, but, you know, the question just basically, this was like six years ago. So imagine, you know, the tea scene and the the perception of tea was a lot different back then. Um, and so the question was like, how might we make tea sexy? Right. Cause back then tea was not sexy. Tea yeah. was like what our grandmas did. Uh-huh. Like ladies with big hats would go and have tea together. Like we didn't have hipsters, you know, collecting their teas like it is now. Um, so I was asking the question, how might we make tea sexy? And uh, how do you build tech around that to test that question? Um, and so I thought, well, what if I make tea parties? Tea parties are cool. And, like, with boas and costumes, like, people love that kind of stuff. And I was in San Francisco. And so um, I, I was like, well, I'll go make a tea party on the street. And I'll have a box full of costumes. And people can join in. And we'll make tea sexy. And my brother was like, no, no, no. People, they'll be uh, intimidated by that. It's too much. Like, we can't ask people to. to That's put- lame of him because I. <laughs> 
I think tea is already inherently sexy, and people just need to draw the sexiness out of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and we've, we've since done that. And so the, the compromise I made with my brother on this project was that I would dress up like a complete lunatic with all the boas and the feathers and everything um, and uh, just have the tea party made already and just welcome people in. And uh, that was the tea fairy. So I just went to Goodwill. I put together a costume, made these enormous, you know, bright green wings and hot pink hair. And it was a total hit. It was like I was like the most popular person in San Francisco that day. Um, I remember it was like Christmas of before Christmas time. And I went to go visit Santa Claus at the top floor of the Macy's there in uh, Union Square dressed in this ridiculous costume and I approached Santa Claus and even he was blown away like he was like, really <laughs> shocked and I like made up some something you know asking him if uh, I could collaborate with him that Christmas you know to help deliver some of the tea gifts you know and um yeah I think uh yeah that was fun so uh, an artist that was uh next to us in the office she worked for this company called Tokyo Otaku Mode um, they are like a social network for otaku things and things related to otaku, which is like anime and Japanese nerdiness. Um, and she just really loved this concept and this costume, which I actually did for George Takei. George Takei came to our office and what? he requested green tea for his lunch. And so they let me pour green tea for him. And I'm like, there is no way I'm passing up this chance of not being dressed as a tea fairy when I get to meet George Takei and serve That's him tea. Awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, we got a video on there and on, on YouTube with it. It's great. Um, so anyway, she really loved the costume and she drew that little character. And now she's become like our icon. And uh, now when I travel around and meet people, just like with Greasy Conversation, you guys are everywhere in the stickers. They're so effective of like... You, getting, you've spotted some stickers around? Yeah, well, I have, and I have many of them, and I've shared many of them. I think oh, the awesome. few encounters we've had with each other, I've always ended with the, you know a bunch of stickers in my hand. So it's... I feel like stickers unite us, and they're wonderful. And that was really the origin of our entire media empire, was Danny and I wanted to... Uh, we wanted stickers first, and we'd make a band <laughs> that would be worthy of the great stickers we made. There's a new edition. Here, check this out. Of, I have more in another thing to give oh, you guys cool. to, to restock you. It's currently the, for those listening at home, the thing that's our Facebook profile image is a sticker now. You can own it too. Yeah, but I don't think Art and I knew that that was the whole basis for forming the band until like two years later. <laughs> like Danny just mentions it in an offhand comment. And I'm like, oh. That, that explains the stickers. Yeah. That explains, like, why there's always so many stickers. <laughs> why that's such a priority to you guys. Right. Speaking of Danny, I've got breaking news. Oh, yeah, breaking Danny news? Yeah. I bet you can guess what it is. Yeah. We have a new child, a new human child in the band. Because it's like a monarchy. If one of us has a kid, they're just in the band already. The, like they don't have to play music they can do whatever they want with their lives or whatever but they just they have that card it's oh, like great. a dowry wow but yeah so danny he sent a picture it looks like everything's shaped human it looks like a really normal Yay. shaped kid it looks like a human baby yeah You're like that's what like i'm sorry but like human babies like when they're brand new they look like little lizards they look like weird little alien lizard people and like no one wants to hear it <laughs> I'm sorry, Danny. Not sorry. Uh, but probably looks what like a little alien lizard. seeing lizard things like you have, like, a lizard lens? Yeah, if I'm just, like, super paranoid. Yeah. Just like everyone's a reptilian, even the newborns. Like, they've infiltrated the babies, man. <laughs> you can see, like, 
If you if you film it and then slow the video down, it looks like the eyelid blinks sideways. <laughs> <laughs> o- only on the recording, though. We are going to get our fingers all up in his baby's eyes to check for a second eyelid. Yeah, man, I'm telling you. They've so already infiltrated. Mean, does that mean cats are lizards? Because they have that second eyelid that... Yes. Okay. Of course cats are lizards. <laughs> <laughs> well, not like lizards, but like reptilian aliens, specifically. All right. So, or lizard, you know, whatever. Well, just calling them lizards is kind of like belittling it, right? It's kind of like Yeah, they don't appreciate that. Diminutive. You want to say Native American. <laughs> not just like some other country that got just thrown at them. I'm not even going to say it. So there. You know, so, there's like uh, a lot of uh, parents, there's a couple of music festivals I've gone to, and they don't, they don't use the word kid. What? Because it's oh, demeaning right, right, to yeah. children. Yeah. Hmm. They call them star, uh, what? star child or no? Um, that sounds more demeaning. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. No, it's like star something. Stop calling star me star seed. child, mom. Star seed. Star seed. Star seed. Oh star seed. man. Yeah, yeah because we can't call them kids because uh, goats. You know, uh, goats are baby, kids. Baby goat so, is a kid. So you know, we don't oh. want to demean um, you know the the small humans. What about just like child? Yeah, child's cool. I like. But star seed is a lot more hippie. You yeah. Know, so, I miss the the type of boss hippie. There was the old guy with the beard that would be like young one. <laughs> that's what that's who we should be looking up to, not some like other peer hippie that's as confused as the rest of us are. Right. Like, think about being a kid. Okay, I can understand a, a, a kid. I like when someone called me a young adult, even when I was like eleven or something. Or, like, young man, like, okay, cool, that makes me feel like a peer in this moment, not calling me a kid. Great, I totally like uh, giving young people that feeling or whatever, but sometimes they need to be put in their place, (laughs) and sometimes we gotta listen to, like, the old guy with the beard in our head that, like, hippies used to have. Where are beardy hippies? They're, like, all quiet and hiding away. You guys have met some, right? Yeah, I've met plenty. I've met plenty in my life. I just went to the uh, Paul Simon concert earlier this week. (laughs) Perfect! So we lasso some of those bonus hippie grandpas. They'll tell us what to call our kids when. Alright, we'll just start calling kids goats. (laughs) There we go, jump right there. That was the sound of the vault door closing on our solutions. A vault of solutions. We'll start acting right. Yeah. Little Billy Goat ass. Now, do you guys have a preference on what kind of tea you like to drink? Like how we should get started? Or? Well, wait, wait, wait. let's microphone this action. You said two oolongs, one's yeah. roasted? Yeah, two oolongs. They're both from Indonesia. One's uh, more roasted, one's more of a green oolong. Oh. Yeah, I, so if I you love... like coffee... Then the roasted one would be something that's, like that's my that's my alley. Yeah. yeah. Are you a coffee fiend? Oh yeah. Have you ever noticed like your body uh, changing, your reaction to coffee changing over time? Like maybe you feel like you drink too much, your stomach oh, is yeah. upset. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that happens with coffee. That never happens with tea. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's been actually one of the things of how we've made tea sexy is letting people know that because uh, tea's got caffeine, so we're gonna get mm. energy from this just like we would with coffee. But it's also got L-theanine in it, and that's another amino acid 
that changes the caffeine's reaction in our body from being like this like body buzz and mm. potential crash like we get with coffee and energy drinks mm. uh, to more of a uh, mental focus and body relaxation. And it's a more sustained release of energy. So, um, mm. you know, tea, we've been growing tea. We don't know exactly how long, but some people say up to 5,000 years. We've discovered tea as being a beverage and started to cultivate it. For a majority of that history, only up until about 500 years ago, tea was like exclusively produced and consumed by monks alone oh, as a meditation tool because of this L-theanine, which is now a leading smart drug. Like the nootropics are like supplements you can take. Mm-hmm. L-theanine is the main ingredient, and it's naturally found in tea. Not only yeah. that, but if you're looking for precursors to serotonin, it's easy to find 5-HTP in the store. Well, kind of. It'll always be like one little bottle, kind of, by one brand tucked in and crazy priced. But it's hard to find a supplement of L-theanine. It's hard to find anything that just naturally has L-theanine in it. And to Camellia have it in sinensis tea, is the only one, and it's already paired with all the other compounds you need to activate it. So caffeine, you need the caffeine. L-theanine is nothing without caffeine. Ah, I'm not so, surprised by that. But I didn't and know tea, that. tea is. Uh, I call tea the uh, nootropics of the gods. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know because I actually take an L-theanine supplement like every day with my coffee. Because I go. there was like this one, I, this <laughs> neuro drink called bliss and it has l-theanine in it and i noticed that and i'm like that is like it makes me feel great yeah so it's really like the only supplement that i've had a noticeable like effect from so i might start drinking some more tea good good when you have a friend that has some good tea yeah um and you know there's such a thing as uh becoming tea drunk and it has nothing to do with becoming disoriented or you actually become more conscious you become like super buzz conscious and um are we smelling? So this is something we get to do is, uh, you know, smell the leaves. Oh, I guessed first... right. I, that was handed to me, the the thing with the tea leaves in it. Mm. And I thought, should I read this like a soothsayer? I should smell it first. I usually <laughs> smell what I'm, like tarot cards. You yeah. want to get a good smell on them first. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. That's Reading thing, tea leaves right? is totally a thing, yeah. But you get to smell it too. And uh, actually, when you first, you know, wet it with the hot water... It releases a lot of the volatiles, and that's like kind of the best time to smell your tea, mm. um, just to kind of absorb the soups and smells. And now all the tea we'll have today is pure tea leaf. Um, I think it's all organic, natural, um, but it's not blended with anything. There's no flavors added. There's no aromas added. Uh, it's just pure tea versus like you ever been to like a Tivana or even in the grocery store, the tea bags, they have like fruity tea or different flavored of tea like those are teas that have had flavors added these are all unflavored unadulterated pure tea all sourced from the farmers themselves so that's what my business does um i run a software company it's actually a technology company it's a b2b platform uh for tea farmers um and uh, so we work with tea farmers uh, all throughout asia and africa and south america and we help them with their quality control help them with their fda compliance to make sure everything's legal and legit and then we help them with the marketing and the payments. And the payments is uh, one of the most important parts that we take care of. Uh, we are actually a leader in the cryptocurrency world. Uh, we're one of the first companies to accept Bitcoin, and we actually built the world's first Litecoin payment processor. Um, yeah, you awesome. have you have like Bitcoin celebrity in here. And too bad I didn't bring my Bitcoin. I usually take them everywhere with me, but um, we were in a bit of a rush and. Didn't know the situation here if Bitcoin was accepted here or not. You know that's always an issue We're when going you go to bring places. It like on a hard drive, or um, you know, I just bring him on a leash usually. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's my dog. Yeah, oh. yeah, my dog's <laughs> name is Bitcoin. Uh, yeah, he's a sweetie. <laughs> 
I knew that at one point and totally forgot. That had gotten me before. We talk about cryptocurrency a lot on the show, too, so it's Good. perfect. Well, I can help talk about it more. I love cryptocurrency. I'm a big, big, big fan. I'm yeah, psyched to my have your business experience on the show, too, instead of the usual goofballs, bless their hearts. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can be goofballs. I mean, uh, drink enough of the tea, and then we'll start feeling that, um, you know, high consciousness buzz. and Sweet. You know, you notice that you'll start talking faster. Your ideas are flowing a lot faster. and This little table situation. Oh, this is so awesome. And, uh, but the thing is, like, uh, when you're feeling this buzz and you're, you're talking, it's not like your words, like, you know, flow together. Like, it's very articulated and very intelligent. Um, and it's a good thing. So, you know, I, I'm more than happy to set up a tea station for you guys. Jake, I like how you set up the microphone to get your sip. <laughs> <laughs> Be like old school NPR. <laughs> yeah. Like. It's got to get ASMR on this. Mm. Which it's another reason why it's good that it's tea because one of my giganticest pet peeves is any kind of eating sounds on the microphone. Mm. Like a sip now and then's great, but like I hate lip smacking and stuff. So, so you, you usually have guests that come in here with their their dinner or something. Just no, it's it's one of those things that angers me even when it's not happening. <laughs> but like other people's podcasts or something, whenever that oh, happens, yeah. or a YouTuber yeah, yeah, or something. But we've only had one other show in which there was any kind of consumable outside of an alcoholic beverage, and that was when Josh from Candy Warpop made no-bake cookies. Oh, okay. Vegan cranberry oatmeal no-bake cookies. Oh, those would be nice right now. Yeah. <laughs> he prepared them so legitimately. They were, like, actually good, and it was very cooking show-like. Nice. His seriousness about it was more funny than if he <laughs> was less serious about it. <laughs> I love how you're doing this. I really wanted to uh, up my tea game more this year, and I've just been way too lazy. I have one of those uh, machines with all the Japanese characters on it that you put water in, the water comes out hot, oh, just with yeah. a button. Yep. Yeah, those are nice. And they hold the hot so water all day. Hot, yeah. Does it have the temperature control? Yeah, you can set a different temperature? My temperature control only has three settings. Oh, I like good. to set it at the low one that's for baby milk. Because yeah. I've heard that green tea, you can risk burning off a lot of the antioxidants right. if it's yeah. too hot. You don't really risk that. You actually risk extracting more of the tannins and the mm. caffeine, which is bitter. So that's why oh. a lot of people say, I don't like green tea. Every time I've had it, it's been terrible. They it's make because it too bitterly, yeah. they never made green tea well. And it's not their fault. Usually it'll mm. even be the tea shop's fault. Because like a lot of people even in the business don't know this. So it's a big part of the work that we do is educating people about tea because tea is even more complex than wine, more nuanced. Um, and there's this whole service element to it. And every tea has to be served a little bit differently I mean, there's no rules to it. You see how casually he's doing this. Um, and this is just from his experience and his gung fu. So um, in, in the tea world, we have a term, gung fu cha. Gung fu is the same as kung fu uh, in Chinese, meaning um, to do with skill. So what he's doing here is preparing us a cup of tea with great skill. And um, These little cups cool down quick, too, which is great, because I yeah. don't like it super hot when I put it in my face. And that's all part of the gung fu, too, is, is being sure that you pour the tea at the right temperature so that you, you create a very comfortable experience for your guests oh, versus giving them boiling cup of tea, yeah. put it to your mouth, and it's like, oh, I burn my mouth. Like, that's a big faux pas in tea service. I actually judged a tea brewing competition in Shanghai last year, 
And that was one of the criteria that we had to judge them on was the temperature of the cup when we got it. Was it too cold or was it too hot? The balance, I mean, it was intense. Uh I had never been to anything so intense for tea service before. It was three days long. These people had been preparing the whole year. They had brought all of their gear and created these really magical, beautiful tea service environments. Um, And one winter came out. It was was a pretty awesome experience. I'd love to bring something like that here in the States. Uh, Maybe a few years off until tea is that sexy. It's getting there, though. I mean, coffee is definitely at that level. Like, you've heard of barista competitions Mm. and, and whatnot. Um, and so I, I want to bring that. Um, and the event that we're doing in a couple of weeks here in town is, you know, our first big step in doing that. I was just about to bring that up. I was mm-hmm. about to segue to that. What you're mentioning is exciting. It is like a, a tea festival that reminds me of the kind of thing that you're... Yeah. So the World Tea and Music Festival will be happening on June 15th. That's a Friday in two weeks. It's happening downtown Las Vegas. At the uh, old bus depot, the next to the mom museum where the farmers market happens on Fridays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Which a cool is beautiful building. new architecture. It's a really neat area over there. Yeah, yeah. I actually have the flyers here, and it's pretty cool. My brother he designed these, and if you can notice, the the motif actually has the architecture in it. It's got the copper. You see the copper oh, nice. top roof. That's can a photo I talk of you the, into holding it to the camera over there. Yeah. Yeah, see? The dun, dun, the roof dun. there. And it's we'll funny, I've been showing this to too. people that like work in this building every day and they they're not even seeing it right away. I have to tell it to them and they say, Oh, I see it, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah, so um the Copper Top building downtown so awesome. will be there uh seven PM to midnight. Uh we're gonna have tea. And what's unique about this tea festival versus other tea festivals here in the States is that it's uh it's not gonna be a marketplace of uh vendors, like different tea shops. It's going to be tea farmers themselves. So a lot of the people that I work with are actually coming into town from Taiwan, from Japan, from Malawi, Africa. And uh, these are the tea farmers themselves, the people that, you know, have the land and have planted their tea and harvested and processed it. Um, They're to pour the tea and show their gung fu. You know, they'll be uh, practicing their gung fu cha and sharing it. So it'll be unlimited tea drinking. There's going to be tea tables all over uh, the venue. And we're going to have food. So we have uh, five different popular restaurants that will be offering uh, food, which is included with the ticket. So this is a fully inclusive experience. Once you come in, this is not a commercial place where people are going to be selling you things. It's just a place for you to come and enjoy and get introduced to a lot of kind of the more underground cultural things that Las Vegas has to offer. So this is going to be different um types of food. So we'll have a flock and fowl downtown. They do, you know, Asian fusion, uh, taste of Jamaica. He makes jerk chicken. It's amazing. Nice. Painted plates, uh, Mediterranean couscous, things like that. So uh, makers and finders and music festival action. Going yeah. On. It's everything. It's, yeah. it's, it's a type of thing. When you come to this festival, it's just your night out and everything awesome. will be provided for you. We're going to have uh, healers there. So some psychics, some Reiki practitioners, we'll have yoga classes going on throughout the whole day. And the, the thing that we're most excited about is the music. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to have a very exciting music program, which Jake has been working really hard on. You want to? I always find Jake floating around the most delightful, easy to listening to music action. <laughs> What's in that tea pocket? We're like, right now, I'm super excited about how relaxing this is. And that's like a unique combo of like, oh, I'm totally feel energized, but also remarkably chill. It's like <laughs> activated. And your music reminds me of that, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
Uh, I have Roman Phillips. He's also fantastically trained on viola. He'll be doing some stuff on viola. That's another person that floats around all the coolest bands that have popped together. Definitely, yeah, very inspiring. Uh, I'll, I'll probably do a set as well. I'll do a set very recently. Uh, Lady Rico and yeah, Lady Rico. Yeah, she's got a new duo, Lady yeah. Rico and Bounce. Yeah. So awesome. they're from Hawaii yeah. and Guam. Is just a very yeah. chill acoustic yeah. duo. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, Chrome Hot. Oh. Yeah. And then Frank goes out with uh, Soldier, and I'll, I'll play some guitar with him on that. Yeah, he'll, I can picture him popping up a few times in the sets. Yeah, He's like I that. Mean, he'll probably play in between sets too. Yeah. Thing, yeah, he's our house DJ, oh, yeah. so he'll he'll be holding it down nice. in between the sets and keeping well it groovy. chosen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can hella vouch for all of the people that you guys mentioned that I've heard over. Some of my favorite musicians in town. <laughs> so stoked on that. There were some other weird uh, and interesting exotic food things that you were mentioning a second ago too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to bring together. This is the world tea and music. So the the tea farmers are coming from all over the world. We think the food and the music should also be coming from around the world. So, yeah, we're going to have Asian fusion, Jamaican food, Mediterranean food, um, Latin comfort food. So makers and finders are going to be out. Oh, nice. Um, you know, and these, uh, all of these restaurants and everybody that is associated with being at this event are all supporters of good tea. And that's how we curated awesome. this. So, you know, none of these vendors paid a vendor fee to come in. You know, we had just created this platform for them to introduce what they have to offer uh, and, and yeah, just let people know here in Las Vegas, we have a very multicultural, diverse offering of food and of art and of music. You know, I mean, it's amazing that all of these it's a world, world, world music acts mm. we brought together are all local here in Vegas, yeah. but then they're coming from all over the place. It's great. It's awesome to tap into that unique thing that this city has that's, uh, and understandably, People are really focused on building the unique culture that only the city has and, and keeping that a thing. But when you have people from all over the world, there's a whole world of culture we can explore together, too. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to see an event do that mm-hmm. because it's it's like a missing piece of my life that I haven't thought about. When, and then when you see it, you're like, oh, there's this whole, it's like opening a window you haven't opened the drapes on forever and discovering there's a new yard outside your house you forgot about. Yeah. But like, of the world. <laughs> So I'm dying to ask you more about this little tray situation under the cup. Yeah. So this lifestyle of the tea objects, how how affordable is it? Is this like, I've seen some things like this at like Cost Plus World Market, right? That you can get pretty affordably to get entry-level tea life. Yeah. So there's actually a shop here in town that has everything. Um, it's uh, called Tea and Whisk out in Henderson. It's on Eastern and St. Rose right next to the Buffalo All Wings right there. Um, they are selling tea. I work with them. So a lot of the teas that they sell are being sourced through our platform. So they're all direct trade, excellent quality teas. Um, But they also have the tea wares because it's kind of hard to make the tea without the wares. Although the wares are very simple. You know, it's this, this cup right here he was using for brewing is called the Gaiwan. It's the quintessential tea brewing vessel. It literally translates to a cup with a lid. That's what it means. So, Mm. um, you know, he pours the water in there. It, it allows open area for the leaf to open up and dance in the water essentially and then uh, you just use the lid you crack it a little bit and you use that to decant the tea um, and, and you're then, not evaporating away a lot of what's going on in the brewing I'm noticing with the lid that's something I'm missing 
I'm brewing and just letting whatever evaporate. Yeah, off of well, it. and you're losing heat too, uh-huh. which could affect you know. And you're already starting from a low water temperature, as you said. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing greens, it should be okay. But if you're brewing a black tea or an oolong tea, you may not be getting the most out of your tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just takes time to play around, playing around with water temperatures, playing around with uh, with the type of vessels that you use. But the Generally, the Gaiwan is accepted as the quintessential brewing device that you can brew any type of tea with. There are certain brewing devices, uh, the more expensive ones, like when you really want to nerd out into it, I can, I can get you up on that. But the, there's like types of clay from particular places in China, like uh, Yixing clay, which is uh, very porous and it absorbs flavors, right? Which what you want over time, it's like a seasoning a pot, you know, over time it, it gathers a cast iron pot. It uh, accumulates those flavors and it helps with your cooking later on. Um, but with that, you can only brew a certain type of tea. You can't be brewing all different types of teas in it because the clay will be absorbing everything and then it'll just turn into this uh, kind of mess up flavor. You could have some really conflicting flavors going you on. You could, there. you could, yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's a lot of people and a lot of people that I work with, you know, the real tea nerds that really get into it and really spend a lot of money on it because they value it that much. And I understand it's totally an affordable luxury. Uh, they will collect teawares where this whole room would just be covered. You know, the walls would have shelves and they would have different teawares they use for different types of oca- occasions. Um, oh, and it's wow. just really important to them. And that's great. You know, you think about, and these types of people, like, that's all they drink. They're just really into tea. They're not drinking wine. They're not drinking alcohol. And think about even us. Like, we're not rich by any means. I'm sure. I, I don't mean to make any claims about you guys, but we're not wealthy people. But I'm sure we spend a good amount of money on beer or mm. a good amount of money, you know, on the things that we enjoy and value. Yeah. Right? And so for a tea lover that spends, you know, five grand a year on their tea habit, maybe that's how much I spend in beer, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. That, yeah, I don't know. Up. I can't no, do the math on that. But You could save money. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Drink tea. If you, if you buy tea in like a decent quantity, I think it's more affordable than equivalent amount of fun with alcohol. Yeah. Well, and you know, a lot of the businesses that I work with, so I specialize in supplying small to medium-sized businesses. A lot of the businesses started just to fund their own personal habit. Kind of like, uh, you know, uh, your, your weed dealer friend in high school is uh, like, oh, I'm just selling to fund my own habit. I'm yeah. not, you know. Um, so it's interesting, you know, you can, uh, you really get into it and I love tea people. Every single one that I've met have been some type of quirkiness to it. Um, excellent different as my, uh, my friend in Taiwan <laughs> nice. likes to say, excellent different. Um, yeah, we're all quirky. We love cool, different, weird things. Lots of otaku going on. It's a um, neat scene. Yeah, it's a it's neat a cool scene for scene. sure. Yeah. Which is, yeah, why you'll want to come to this World Team Music Festival because that we do have um, a lot of featured celebrities, as we like to call them. And these are tea people from... Pun intended. Yeah, yeah. I totally intended that. <laughs> um, we've invited uh, tea people. And they're coming to town not just for this festival, but they're coming for a business show that is happening earlier in the week called the World Tea Expo. And that happens at the convention center. About 4,000 tea people from around the world come together uh, to meet for this conference. And this is kind of the, you know, after-party celebration. So all these folks that had come all over from Asia or from Africa can just have this night to celebrate and relax, um, make friends, um, and, and connect with new tea lovers, too, and help people discover tea 
uh, directly from the source. And yeah, it's just going to be a good time. We're going to get a little tea drunk because, you know, there's going to be lots of tea served. Um, and we're going to be dancing. We're going to be eating good food, of course. And yeah, hopefully playing music. I have another technical question. Yeah. So why does it seem that, Jake, you on purpose put water in the bottom plate here on the, what is this, a fun guy? I had a question. I had a name oh, like uh, cool dude. Guy one. Is just, guy one. Guy one is the vessel. Yeah. <laughs> guy the, one. The, that winner guy. <laughs> so on the bottom there, like um, I want to uh, you know, basically you're essentially you're cooking the tea. Oh. Like a tea soup, you know. So like you want to cook it on both sides. So it's additional heat yeah, on yeah, the vessel yeah, so from like the hot water. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It reminds me. I don't know if this is related, but did you know? Fun fact. Hold on. Need this thing. Get ready. <laughs> If you take a bottle that you want to make cold, or a can of soda or something, if you wrap it in a wet paper towel and then put it in the freezer, it gets cold a lot faster, actually, than if it's just put in the freezer. Wow. Yeah, I, that, I, yeah. I forgot why, but I think it's related to that action. Huh. Yeah, because yeah, the paper towel, if it's wet, right? The paper yeah, towel's wet. wet. Yeah. Because of the surface area on that paper towel and the wetness there, that's going to freeze a lot faster than the liquid inside the, the vessel. Huh. So it's just, yeah, additional, it's like ice, you know, you're forming ice around. Word. Yeah, I love this. I'm a food scientist, so I that's, it. uh, I love thinking about water molecules and proteins and... Getting all Alton Brown about it. Oh, I love Alton Brown. Oh my God. <laughs> <sighs> he, just break, he just breaks it down so mm. fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't know that about food and I love, I love food even more now. Him talking about the chains of fatty acids, like, uh... Roller coaster cars inspires me to this day. <laughs> I love this wooden porch situation that the tea sits on, though. There's a for people listening on iTunes where you can totally rate us because we need more ratings on iTunes. Because, like, no one thinks to rate things on iTunes. Anyway, it's a square wooden thing, and there's like, uh, like it's like a little baby seat for my tea that I hold, and it's quite rugged for being like wood. It's such a unique device that it brings a lot of likes out of me. I apologize. <laughs> no, that's yeah. good. That's good that you appreciate it. I like that you're still using it. You know, like you're so attached to it that yeah. like you want to use it for drinking as well. Most people just grab unique... the cup. Yeah. But I don't know when the cup's going to be hot again. I'm going to forget that the cup's hot. And then I could just fling it. And I don't want to do that <laughs> to your nice cup. <laughs> um, don't worry. We didn't bring the nice cup. So you're welcome to fling them if you want. You we're smart. <laughs> you, you knew about the show. <laughs> We're not the show you bring your nice cups to. So, so like yeah. how Oh, go ahead. No, uh, well, no I, was, I, was, I was... All right. I was going to ask, uh, how many brews can you, like, typically get? I wasn't counting. What do we have, like, six, seven little, uh, little shops? Usually, you know, depending on the tea, but, like, I'll say the frame of sample, for example, for example, mm-hmm. range from, like... Well, it also depends. There's a lot of factors to it. It depends how you brew it for each tea, but... You know, on average, maybe like five to ten, maybe. Yeah. Usually, I'll I'll brew it till I get no more, uh, you know, color from me. I'll see. Oh, okay. I'll see going. Usually. Nice. So you mean how many times can you brew the same set of tea leaves? Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah each, I misunderstood your question. <laughs> <laughs> they sell a bunch of them, man. There's all these different companies that you no, uh, are business to businessing to go yeah. like straight to the grower through the website. Right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so amazing. Yeah. Well, also doesn't mean that you have to, as the person maintaining the the platform to getting it to people, 
you don't have to do deal your stock and fulfillment. The people that stock and fulfill are just connected to your customers. Then that's yeah. Awesome. Well, no, we actually handle the logistics for them. You oh, know? that's so, great. Yeah, yeah, we have to like uh, to be FDA compliant. You know, you need to have a responsible party that's going to receive the goods and then um, do the quality control and repack it ready for the market because. You know, farmers, and this is typical of all food products, um, farmers are not, you know, retail packaging things. And they're not fulfillment you know, it's, specialists, so it's you can't bulk, have the same quality you know, it's control. It's a, a big bulk package that usually gets brought in, and then we'll break that down. And we'll also do some brokering. So if it's a bigger buyer mm. that's going to be buying in larger quantities, then we will just facilitate all of the compliance. And our business is very transparent. Like, that's what I believe in. And that's, like, mm. my whole motivation of why I even started this business it's a lot of freaking work to start a business and to run a business, especially one of the scale of what yeah. I'm trying to do. But I'm so passionate about bringing transparency to our supply chain because like I guess I'm a food scientist. So I got into it because I love to cook. Even when I was a kid, I love to cook and like see people's reaction when they eat my food and feel, you know, satisfied. And so my uh, professors had all said, well, why don't you be a food scientist? So then you can cook for the masses. You can cook for millions of people working in the food industry. And I'm like, okay, great. So I studied it and it was like, you know, studying Alton Brown stuff. And I'm like, yeah, this is awesome. I love it. And then I went into the industry and I'm like, wow, this is poisoning. Like my job is officially to poison people at mass <laughs> oh, scale, man. you know, like finding loopholes in the regulations so I can get in chemical preservatives or, you know, it's just, it felt so corrupt. And then, you know, like I joined the Peace Corps and I developed like this really, you know, strong principle of who I'd work for. And. You know, even working for companies like making products that I believed in that were healthy, like tea. I worked for a tea company making like canned unsweetened green tea. It's healthy. No chemicals in it, right? But then I'm looking at the supply chain and there's no transparency there. And I'm mm. trying to ask, well... So you don't know what's happening to the raw materials at different yeah, stages. Yeah, and what's happening on the farms because in the Peace Corps, I live among farmers. And I, I realize that there are a lot of issues, environmental, social mostly social, like the wages and dentured labor and, and all of that. There's lots of those issue, issues. And when there's no transparency, yeah. you don't know. And so that's when I started, you know, picking more at it and asking more questions. And this business kind of developed. And, and what I believe in is not a certification because even fair trade is a corrupt system. Mm. Fair trade is a for-profit organization that charges a farm $30,000 a year to inspect. And they only hold you to the local labor laws as a standard. So it's like, and I didn't even know that Fair Trade was an organization. Yeah. The way it's named, it sounds like it's just a, a certification, like a certain concept for this to be Fair Trade and us to tick off these boxes. I didn't think that it was an organ, the name of an organization that's calling themselves that. And then, mm. well, and they do. That's exactly what you thought. That's what they do. They have a standard. You know, they have that check that checklist that the auditor will come in and uh -huh. check you off on. But if you look at that checklist, it is not what you would probably assume. Like uh -huh. in America, we have a certain standard of labor treatments and environmental treatment and all these things. We have that in our standard, but in places like India or Bangladesh or mm. Sri Lanka, it's a very different standard. Yeah. Shout out to Bangladesh. Yeah. There's, there's at least a couple people in Bangladesh that will hear this for sure. Oh, good. Hi. Hi. Yeah. We kind of blew up over there during a, <laughs> promoting our page internationally for some reason bangladesh and pakistan liked us extra so oh, hi you guys and some people in niger oh niger yeah that's I, where i did my peace corps oh killer ah salut, yeah. salut. <laughs> there's a couple people that pop up liking things every once in a while the thing is because these are nations that a lot of people are 
new to social media, they like a lot of things. Yeah. So until I throw like a couple dollars at advertising something, literally a couple, like two or three dollars, mm-hmm. and then a post pops up in their feed and hella interaction, like oh, really wow. cool. Hey, well, if you want me to help you, <laughs> you want me to help you write some ads in Hausa. I speak fluent Hausa, which is a, a major dialect in Niger. Uh, I can help you, you know, get 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 really blown up there. Why not? <laughs> you know, YOLO. <laughs> we can put pictures of goats in the ads. They're very popular there. <laughs> so like, you guys have, have, have the split picture, like <laughs> one one like little goats, and then those are little kids. <laughs> but it says goats, and then the other one says kids, and it's little little baby goats. I love it. I love it. Baby goats are cute too. I think that a goat is a definitely applicable mascot type of animal for our endeavor for sure. Baby goats are like the cutest animal of all time. Oh, they're so cute, especially when they're like jumping around like sporadically. You got no control on it. Yeah, Yeah, bouncing around. (laughs) I think the best example is the fact that there's so many YouTube videos and experiences I've had even where there's just a goat alone in a pen making the weirdest noises to itself and some of those noises sound like human speech that's the only animal that that randomly happens with just like us <laughs> <laughs> that's why we call the the young ones goats right yeah yeah our little goatlings <laughs> speaking of which let's see how let's check back in to how danny's it's still it's still lying there still danny's baby, baby. yeah right. it's still around <laughs> so that's good god how? Off, to, off to a good start you know I'm telling him to keep sending us live updates. The first, yeah, the first couple hours of this game are, are really tough, man. Yeah. New babies are scary, but there's no hoses or pipes hooked to it at all. It's just sleeping, so that's really good. Nice. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Not that there aren't a lot of great people around here that, when they were young, had hoses and pipes hooked to them, but this one's not needing that. You know, a funny uh, quirk I learned in Niger when I was living there with newborn babies. I'm excited to learn how to pronounce it properly, by the way. Niger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's our, like... Lord knows our president doesn't pronounce it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, when you go visit your friend when they have a brand new baby, the, the most polite, like, customary, you know, thing you could say to them is, uh, um, there's no nose. Where's his nose? Oh. He's so ugly. He has no nose. You know, um, it's a very interesting thing. You know, it took me a while to get used to Do that. Do they love having like a small nose in the child's so like, yeah, that's great. Totally no, no, it's not a good thing actually. But oh. it's like a superstitious type of a thing that, like, if it, it's like humbling the kid when you uh-huh. call him ugly, you know, or uh-huh. the ba- is a baby, They're like yeah. harm, like Your nose innocent babies, in, like you don't have a nose, but. <laughs> It's so hard to wrap my head around. I don't know, like the the American version of that. I'm taking like, the nose. Yeah, we just steal a nose. Yeah. Capitalism. I guess so. Yeah, just like I got your nose. I got it. Like, I got your nose. Do you want to buy it back from me? Yeah, yeah that's, that's the most American yeah. version of it. Yeah. Wait, I found a quarter behind your ear. Do you want it back? I'm keeping it. I found this quarter. Here's a, here's a quarter that'll pay for ten percent of your nose back. Financing. Find your own quarter, kid. <laughs> oh, you checked behind your ear. There's no quarter. Ha ha! I just taught you money works away that it doesn't really work. Right. Welcome to American education on finances. <laughs> no, that was like I don't know if uh, you guys had grandparents that ever did that. My grandpa would like mystify me where he had the empty paper bag and he had the invisible ball. Oh man, I didn't have a relative go that far. That's cool. No, so like you just hold the the paper bag on the edge so you can like snap your finger and make it seem like something lands in there. So he just would, like, 
pull out the invisible ball and like toss it up and then snap, and it makes it seem like something falls in the bag. I was mystified for it, and I was like, and it was just the snap he was doing. Yeah. Wow. But, like, it was timed so well, man. I was like... The description's mystifying me, even. It's yeah. not the trick. <laughs> I don't know if that was a common thing or if my grandpa, you know. Uh, our friend Chris, he showed me a magic trick with cards. And even when he told me how he was doing it, it basically was, like, keeping track of where a lot of cards are. And even with uh, having a way of making a certain clump of cards be the only clump he took, kept track of, he could do all kinds of stuff moving around and remember where that mm -hmm. section was. And I realized, that thing, for a trick, is, like, legit hard, though. Oh, yeah, Like, man. knowing exactly how to do that, I still couldn't totally do that at all. Yeah, no, I got sucked into, like, sleight of hands for a while. Yeah. Like, I'm still super interested by it. But it's, like, incredible. You, like, watch things they do, and you can't tell. Like, if you don't know what's going on, it's just, like, you're, like, they just keep track of, like, 52 cards entirely separately. And, like, just, it's insane, like, the, the dead time and dedication it would take to learn even like simple tricks have you gotten to a breakthrough at a certain point where you could be really genuinely surprised by something you saw yourself doing like oh wow that really looks like my fingers being cut in half or whatever if like, i like practice something but i man i'm super lazy well it also like, seems like it'd be the hardest to show yourself it'd be the hardest because you already know yeah yeah, yeah. but still there's got to be a point where you're like that looks really looks yeah like no I'm doing they sit it. there and like they sit there and practice in front of like uh, mirrors. You have like three mirrors, so you can watch like different angles uh, of what your hands are doing. So when you like manipulate the cards, you don't want people to see certain things. So they and have to, the like, three mirrors is like there's always a tool. Whenever I'm mystified by something, there's always a tool that like makes it four times faster. Yeah, that I didn't realize was a thing. And it was just some dude sitting in front of three mirrors, like shuffling cards for hours. And I hours honestly and hours. pictured like in my fantasy of maybe learning a sleight of hand thing. That I'd have to like look at it like <laughs> hunch over my just like manually get different angles. Yeah, yeah. That sounds ridiculously unnecessary. Yeah, like, and it wouldn't work. It's yeah. like <laughs> There must have been crap sleight of hand before mirrors. Yeah, yeah, totally. If there was any. Yeah. It was all just magic by now. Yeah, like what? everything was sleight of hand, like, oh where I'm hiding behind a tree or am I? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. You so guys, this, this is a a different kind of tea. Yeah. Oh, good, good. Yeah, is it? Knows. Is it still an oolong? It is a little is different it color. Still oolong and same producer, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's pinker colored. I shouldn't just say things that you guys can't see. Can't even see it over there. It's look, it's pinker. Oh, I'm gonna spill it. All right. I need like an extra camera to like carry around. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tea cam. Tea cam. <laughs> <laughs> It's a format that really doesn't require much video at all, so we're going to have multiple cameras on it. Does everyone has like good. a GoPro attached to the T-Cup <laughs> for no reason. So it gets like the steady cam of me moving. Yeah. <laughs> this sip cam. Oh, sip cam, yeah. So this might be the tastiest tea I think I might have ever had in my life ever. It's very good. Actually, I was just commenting. Oh, I was like whispering, what is this? Uh, it's very aromatic. Are you yeah. getting that? It's like really flowery smelling. It tastes like a bunch of teas I liked, but like just what I liked about them only. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wish there was anything like that. There's like, um, man, I was trying to make a band analogy, but whenever you take like a band of a bunch of things you like, it's it's never as good as like all those things you like added all together, Audio Slave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah. um, oh, what's another one where 
Like, uh, did you guys know Emerson, Lake, and Palmer was a supergroup? This is crazy old. But, like, people already knew a couple of those dudes from King Crimson. And oh, then, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I... Good old ELP, man. Things that are supergroups that you didn't realize were supergroups. Um, Mars all, Volta. We're all supergroups, man. A lot of people discovered Mars Volta just discovering Mars Volta. But for us, it was, what are those guys from that from at the drive-in finally going to do? After the one dude, uh, Jim, left and made Sparta, and that was, like, really cool, but so forgettable. I remember Sparta's album being like, oh, I like this, and then, like, forgetting it was a thing. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't ever ask, like, what's, what's Sparta up to these days? No. Yeah. No one, one, and, like, people forgot about Sparta before, um, what's the face I was just talking about? Mars Volta just happened. And then Mars Volta got, like, weirdly boring. In, like, a too weird way. Yeah. It absolutely. seemed like a complacent weird. No, I, I always imagined it like this, because I was a huge Mars Volta fan, and, like, uh, all Omar Rodriguez Lopez solo stuff, too. Mm, yeah. And he would There's so it. much. I haven't yeah, checked it all out, but thing, it's so like, good. I think, I think it got to a point where, like, he would just record everything he ever played <laughs> and thought it was good. Like, uh. no matter who you are, not everything you do is going to be good. I'm sorry, no, man. Like, no, no. Just, yeah, Pandora picked some good singles to show me, but other than that, it seems like it could be pretty hit or miss. Yeah. I haven't gone deep in the weeds with it yet. But, it, you know, it's a lot of different style, but eventually it got to the point where it's just like, you're just like doing crazy shit now. You're just like, <laughs> all right, that's cool, man. Like, who are you showing off for? I know, just himself, man. Yeah. If it's... you're like trying to paint a picture of an emotion you're trying to convey, put me in a place. That place is difficult to be in. <laughs> Right. <laughs> so, but this is like first album Mars Volta T. Yeah. Right here. yeah. <laughs> wow. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> this is a with a with comatorium. No, deloused in the comatorium. Yes, I've been practicing my snap so it would make a noise when I do that. Oh, good. That's yeah. Because <laughs> did you get the mirrors podcast. for that too? What's that? Did you have the three mirrors for that too? Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I had to wear special headphones so I could hear when I was getting the proto-snaps. Have you heard about what people uh, have gone through to train themselves how to break a wine glass with their voice? No. There's this guy on YouTube. Now, you have to Google this because I don't remember his name or whatever, but <coughs> he studied everything he could about how other people learned to do it, and he just grinded on it. He just drilled like... At least eight hours a day he devoted to working on that. And if he wasn't, like, trying, practicing with his voice, then he was, like, reading up on ways to do it better. Put a straw in there so you could see the straw vibrate at a certain point. Yeah. You look for that. Practiced holding pitches even when he was, like, driving and stuff. Wow. Until after, like, a couple of weeks he learned how to do it, like, consistently. Wow. <laughs> now you got to introduce that to Spacey Blur. I think he's been working on a note lately, yeah? The, the brown note? Yeah. He's been, like, searching for the brown note. Because yeah, yeah. the Mythbusters never found the brown note. If anyone's going to find it, it's going to be Spacey Blur. <laughs> Big shout out to Spacey Blur. It's true. If anyone's going to find it, it's him. And what if there's, like, a frequency within a frequency that becomes, like, a code? Because you know how, like, your muscles will get... It's not, like, a DC pulse, and it's not even, like, necessarily strict AC, and it's not pulse code modulation like we do to control motor speeds. But there is, like frequencies and like how the brain sends electricity to muscles what if there's like encoded 
take a dump data that we could do if it's like the right pattern of like, okay, you have a 60 cycle oscillation, but it goes between 60 and 120, which is an octave, and has to do that within the cycle that's this percentage of whatever your heart rate is. So you like get the heart rate, and then it's, oh man, this tea is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, this so, one's uh, this one's special. Yeah, do math on the heart rate, and then you totally make people poop with sound. But it has to be like you have to get sound back from them with like a laser. You know those lasers you point at a window and you can hear what's on the other side of the window. I don't. That's a thing. Woo! Everybody, and it can be an infrared laser. Uh, yes, an infrared laser too. So forget the dude in the bushes with a big parabolic dish. If someone wanted to listen to what's going on in your house, the. Uh, they just have to aim a laser at it, and the vibrations of the light can be turned back into sound from the window. Oh, man. Not only that, but this Christmas light just went out. I know. I I'm like that. that alert right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this tea but this is way different than the first one. Like, I was about to comment on it, that I'm, like, feeling. I'm feeling a little tea drunk. This but I'm wondering if I'm feeling there. the energy from the first one. No, no, it's this one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, tea energy usually acts very fast. So oh, usually nice. reacts Like, once you drink it, you're going to feel it, like, right away. Yeah, this is a pretty intense tea. This is awesome because it's something that I wanted to add to my life and have been lazy about. <laughs> and uh, so when Jake hit me up on Facebook about tea action things with it, I just, man, I lit up. So I hope everyone <laughs> else is having so much fun, too. We are going to uh, dance around on some news items. And uh, because this week was a, a touch slower on the news, I've actually got some rejects left behind from previous weeks that are juicy that I really regret. So we're going to have like yeah. a touch of recap. I don't regret doing what these things are news about. I mean, regret not mentioning them. Yeah. But right now, because we're at the top of the broadcast, we're about to do something with, that we anticipate greatly. It's a special part that only happens once in the broadcast. Get ready. It's called Commercial, commercial Chug. Dish TV is better than cable TV. Why? Because you can save 45% on packages compared to your high-priced cable bill. Wow. Take those giant scissors out and cut the cable and save with Dish TV. Plus, you get a free DVR upgrade to record your favorite shows and free installation. And with Dish Anywhere, you can watch TV for free on your mobile device. Act fast. You can save hundreds of dollars. Does your cable company do that for you? I don't think so. Get all the best TV programming at your fingertips at a fraction of the price of cable TV. So say adios, arrivederci, goodbye to the high cable bill, and save up to 45% on Dish TV packages today. These are limited time offers and can change at any time. Call fast. 800-293-0328. 800-293-0328. 800-293-0328. That's 800-293-0328. Okay, you guys, sometimes we get to climb inside a metal cylinder and fly through the air like astronauts from the future. And when you want to do that, if you want to get to another country way faster than walking there or paddling a boat, paddling a boat, being outside of a boat and paddling furiously... This is the way to go. Talk to these people. Greece is cheap. But the airfare costs a fortune. Paris? Not much closer. And again, airfare... What about Puerto Vallarta? Let's face it. Flying anywhere is just too expensive. Wait. What's this? Low-cost airlines. With one call to low-cost airlines, you'll drastically slash your travel costs. We're talking insanely low airline prices to any of your favorite destinations. Where would you like to go? 
London, Rome, Costa Rica, Australia. Wow, that's cheap. So why wait? Call now to learn how crazy cheap it is to fly anywhere in the U.S. or international. Our prices are so low, we can't publish them. The only way to get them is to call to instantly hear the most amazing best deals on airline travel. It's that easy. So call now and start packing. 800-515-2397. 800-515-2397. 800-515-2397. That's 800-515-2397. Okay, one day I'm going to have all the numbers memorized. Okay, this next one, you guys, this one's for you. If T, If T's not doing it, if if you need something more, if you need a community, like, take this as your sign. I'm totally looking out for you or whatever. If you are trying to quit drinking or doing too many drugs, listen to me. You don't know me and we'll never meet. I had a problem like you once. I drank and used to party a little too much till it got out of control and almost ruined my life. I realized I needed help to fix my problem before it totally destroyed me. If you've tried to fix your drinking and drug problem and you know you can't do it alone, you need to call the National Treatment Advisors. They'll immerse you into a 30-day program to replace your old habits with new habits and totally change your life. And if you have PPO private health insurance, the entire program may be covered. Fix your problem right now before it gets any worse. Get clean. Call now and learn more. 800-961-2480. 800 800-961-2480. 800-961-2480. 800-961-2480. Oh, there we go. Taxes, taxes, doing all the taxes. Lots of other people's taxes get done. Gonna do all the taxes that can be done gonna do them in my home and while alone doing lots of taxes the following story is fictional. Woo boy, I had a rough night's sleep. Let me read you that letter I got from the IRS. Dear John, according to our records, you owe the IRS $37,950.50. If you don't call us right away and set up a payment plan, we're going to freeze your bank account and put a lien on your home. Well, heck, part of me says you want my trailer, you can go ahead and have it. And I only got a 100 bucks in the bank anyway. But so here's what I did. I called me the tax doctor. I paid them their fee, and I got the whole thing reduced to $1,000. If you owe the IRS any personal or business taxes well north of $10,000, you call yourself the tax doctor right now. See if they can save you some real money. 800-917-8546-800-917-8546-800-917-8546. That's 800-917-8546. Oh, I messed it up. You can rewind. That's the thing. You can rewind these phone numbers, and you should, and you can mention that RadioVegas.rocks sent you over there, turned you around, handed you your lunch, and slapped your bottom, and sent you on your way. And at that point, everyone wins. You get taxes, and we get um, sponsorship money to pay taxes on, which is a privilege. We love it. Uh, taxes all the time, every day. But what happens when you spend money that you don't have in this flawed system of economics we were all taught as children to exploit uh, until credit and collapse and acres of tract homes left empty while streets blocks away are 
crowded with homeless people in tents. Do you want to pay more for a new car or new home or less? Yeah! Do you want to pay higher interest rates on your credit cards or even to refinance student loan debt or less? Yeah! The secret to paying less on everything is a better credit score. Is your credit score less than 700? Do you even know? Well, now at the same time, you can learn exactly what your credit score is and learn how to make it better. And when you call our special credit repair hotline, you'll speak to an expert that will tell you simple steps to start improving your credit score. And the call and consultation are F-R-E-E. That's free. I'm telling you, the secret to paying less is a better credit score, and you can fix it right now. So please make this free call and change your life. 877-857-1286. 877-857-1286. That's 877-857-1286. Festival, tea festival times happening. Um, also, I wanted to tell you guys that if you have an idea like I do about my amazing machine to clean the top of soda cans, because man, why you buy this thing in a container and then the container's been like dragged through the bird poop, uh, traveling the nation on some rickety truck, and then you put your mouth on it? No, it's the outside. I don't put my mouth on the outside of the pizza roll box. Uh, I <laughs> eat what's inside of there. What's inside, guys? So I'm going to make this thing that cleans the top of all the cans near it. Walks around on little robot legs, finding more cans to clean, like a diligent can-cleaning soldier. And that's my new invention, and these people are going to help me make it real. Get ready. You have no idea. I've got an idea. I got an idea. I got an idea. What's the big idea? Do you have an idea for a new product or a phone app? Well, now is the time to make your idea a priority. Get it off the ground fast and call Davison. We have over 25 years' experience helping big idea thinkers like you turn your ideas into products and apps that are found in retail stores and online. It's simple to get started. Call now and ask for our free Big Idea Starter Guide. We'll show you how to get started and protect your idea. And show you the steps to get your killer idea in front of a corporation that can help you grow your dream. Dream big and be big. Call Davidson now for your free Big Idea Starter Guide. Davidson charges fees for services. 800-208-9876. 800-208-9876. 800-208-9876. Forget to mute towards the whole... So that whole plan, that was just like... I hope you guys all enjoyed that. Because you can totally listen to the last episode if you want to learn more about Davidson Big Idea. The tricky part would be like... What I would not have enjoyed about the last 30 seconds would be... Not that what we were talking about was probably completely uninteresting to to the listener. But like the commercial might not have been interesting to them too. But then like both of those at once, maybe that was interesting. Or maybe that was just like super hard to listen to and (laughs) not interesting at the same time. So what I'm saying is I think we might be pushing boundaries of dynamics between super interesting and delicious and like, look at that. That looks like a, like an alien dish you eat um, uh, on Mars and, and like it, but then like super not interesting too. So you get this like palette of interesting and completely not interesting on our shows in a, in a row dynamically it's like a crescendo of um caring and then not caring it kind of looks like something i would get out of uh the star trek you know that thing what's that thing called that uh just makes replicator. stuff replicator the replicator yeah like i would just order some alien 
dish out of the replicator. And that's... It looks like something Matt Damon would feed me. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the menu, Matt Damon? <laughs> Check this out. I grew it on an alien world. Because, <laughs> of course, you'd be all peppy like that. I grew this yeah, on Matt, an alien world. Matt Damon is always peppy. Yeah. Claren, getting all mad at a what's his face, Jimmy? What's that, Jimmy? Jimmy, what's that 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 Jimmy that wouldn't let him have him on his show? Maybe it's not Jimmy at all. I'm mixing up my late night talk show hosts. James. No, nah, it's not Jimmy Fallon. The other one that wouldn't let Matt Damon on his show. James Kilgore. For, for, no. Oh man, you guys help me out in the Jimmy comments Kimmel? here. Yeah, remember when Jimmy Kimmel kept going to have Matt Damon on and then didn't? And he's like, and then Matt Damon kept trying to be on and it turned into this thing. And it was like staged, but it, they were really realistic about it. Where like Matt Damon came on a big screen behind him and was like, I'm on the show. Damn it. You're not putting me off again. That would be kind of funny. Like just like Matt Damon just pops up in the audience, like in disguise. And then just runs out on the stage. Like, it's me, Matt Damon. It was freaking great. Would you it guys have Matt Damon on this time. show? What's that? Would you guys have Matt Damon on this show? I would never allow it. Never. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're only saying that so that he like tries to break in and like yeah. get on the show. He's like, hey, these guys will love me on their show. <laughs> you watch it, he's like uh, dressed, dressed as this guy in the back. And just, yeah, like, that's halfway so Meanwhile, this has been Matt Damon the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, he was so still with a good actor. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> Man, Matt Damon, man. That would be crazy if we got one of those people from Fremont Street, though, that's a statue, to, yeah. like, statue it up here and just not mention it until, like, he moves, like, an inch closer to me every ten minutes, and then by the end of the entire show, strangling. <laughs> Wait, is there a Matt Damon impersonator on Fremont Street? There should be. There should be at least one. The problem is... uh how do you make yourself look... I guess you'd have to be wearing a spacesuit, Or you'd be like, generic white guy. It would not work. You'd get some pictures. Like, look at how generic this white guy is. <laughs> That's like, worth a couple shots, but like, you're not going to get much else without yeah, the spacesuit. Yeah, no one's going like, to actually think you're Matt Damon. They're just going to be like, why is this guy just like walking around in circles on the strip? Yeah. Or down on Fremont. Like, There's so guy. many people on Fremont that aren't from even this country. That there's got to be people that arrive with just seeing a bunch of white people as a novelty. Yeah. I would love to cash in on that. That's like, <laughs> I do not get to be racially special much, even though I'm secretly Puerto Rican. Yeah. If I can't, I can't like. You prove should go it. visit your viewership in Niger. I there guarantee. I guarantee you'll be very unique there. I'm trying to make that economical. Like, uh, it would be great to have one of these countries that also likes us to sponsor, like going out there and doing some kind of media thing. But it's like the poorest countries that are totally down with poor old America lately. Because all the other countries that are doing better than us are really over our crap right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, we're not inspiring anybody unless it's the next Marvel movie. <laughs> that's our chief export right now. Now, I'd love to evolve to become a country that's chief exports are intellectual things and we've had a powerful glimpse in that and being like an industrial design leader we're like okay we designed the device and then japan figures out how to make it better and then china makes it cheaper but we invented it woo 
And now it's like, uh, we just don't want to do anything else that's amazing breakthrough time. Like, oh, stem cells? No, God, my pastor said no. I'm totally not going to... I'd rather have this ACL knee surgery that may or may not work, and I might need four of them in my lifetime, than just, like, squirting new cells that become my torn ACL into my knee. It's silliness like that. Like, oh, we totally want to be this nation that keeps curing things, but not if, like, the pastor says no. <laughs> not, not if there's some preacher that says that, no, you're, you're playing God there. Aren't we playing God flying through the air in airplanes? Mm-hmm. So, like, I think we've... <laughs> we've already, like, crossed that threshold. Yeah. <laughs> it's time to go, like, full God. We're only, like, <laughs> we're only, like, sub-deity right now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let's just go full full God. Yeah, we need to hit peak God. Exactly. Super Saiyan America. I don't know, that'd be kind of scary, though. <laughs> like, start just hella punking people. <laughs> it's like, you're our bitch now. We're the best. We're even more the best. It sounds like we came around a circle back to how we actually are now. Yeah, yeah. Just aggressively telling people we're better. <laughs> No evidence of it. We're just going to demand and insist. We're the best. Hey, if you believe it, it's true, man. Our our military is ten times larger than the next largest military. We have ten times more people in prison than any other nation. We're the best at nationing. This is what nations do, right? Am I right, guys? Are we doing it right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. One out of a hundred people, one out of a hundred Americans is in jail. Just like, yeah. Jeez. That's insane, right? That means, like, out of you could have the tiniest graduating class, say, like, a small-town graduation of, like, 2,000 people, and that's, like, uh, 200 pe- uh, 20 people then? You'd know 20 people that are in jail then. Um, Sounds about right. Yeah, majority from nonviolent crimes. That uh, would be things that you'd go to a treatment program or get some kind of talk therapy for in any other country. <laughs> we'll just, like, train you to be a criminal. Instead, you go to criminal school. <laughs> it's a boarding school. <laughs> well, you can make so many friends there. Yeah. And learn, like, cool skills, like tattooing. And you have food just given to you. You don't have to stand in line for social services and, like, wait two months to after you've already starved before you actually get any help with anything. Yeah. So you can just go to jail and get fed right away. I think we're looking at this jail thing all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I need to go there. Beautiful. Let's all go to Tonight. jail, you guys. Oh, no. That's our advice of the day. Everybody join me in jail. <laughs> <laughs> so, now is the time when I promised expired news. One of my favorite pieces of overripe, neglected news from earlier in the month is the fact that there is a this thing about podcast um, legislation. Hold on just a moment, because I moved away from it, and it was really Sweet. a thing. It was really a thing. So there was a, one of those patent trolls that was threatening the whole concept of podcasts being a thing, and that finally passed its final appeal where it was thrown out. So hooray... So There's someone no was trying to claim limit. someone was trying to claim that they like thought of the idea of podcasts. Yeah, basically serialized uh, presentation of music, like a music in an online magazine kind of format, 
But I mean, how could that not be a natural conclusion to the serializing any media that just happens? It's just a different delivery mechanism. You can't patent like the internet or a blog. And the podcasts were addendums to blogs as RSS feeds, like it's the beginning. Like how the whole reason they work wonky like they do is because they came from blogs. And you can't patent that. So that was really frustrating and that's thrown out now. Podcast survived, yeah. Podcast survived. We're still in we're still in the game, folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um Oh, I have the deodorant challenge marked to talk about that, but we talked about that already. I think so, yeah. People were spraying deodorant on each other as like the to to hurt one another. (laughs) And it's causing like chemical burns. Growing up as a kid we actually did the same thing, but we light off the lighter with it catch on fire, it's flammable. That's way cooler than just spraying it until you get like a chemical burn from it. I wanna see some actual fire burning. See, high five for doing it the cool kid way. <laughs> and then, okay, hold on. Gibson, bankrupt. Gibson. Gibson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Doug Gibson, did, hear about did you hear about yeah, this? I heard about that, yeah. But for musicians, it's the best bankruptcy ever. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the deal it's a chapter 11, that's just a restructuring one. As Man, as people our age has really had to learn our bankruptcies, right? <laughs> Man, anyone that lived through 2008 is like bankruptcy era. But so they're, they're chapter 11. What they're doing is basically ditching all of the um, home entertainment sector stuff they're trying. So like the Bluetooth speakers, the, the blenders, I don't know what else they're making. Um, stereo equipment, anything like that, they're not messing with anymore, which... I thought it was kind of cool to take that kind of chic and make, oh, this Bluetooth speaker that has that kind of vibe. But the thing is, it just really doesn't seem to relate to people outside of that musician sphere as much as you'd think. Whereas I I remember not playing guitar when I was way younger and thinking being around that stuff was really cool. And I I think they plan to market on that, but there's just... You make a really cool blue rectangle, and that's cool to be around too. And that Bluetooth speaker sold really well too. And there's just so many Bluetooth speakers on the market that even with that vast sea, it didn't work out for them. And they tried to dive right into like a super fancy one too. Kind of like Tesla business model. You make the super supreme premium product and sell enough of it to a smaller base and it funds you making more of uh, a product for the masses. So they were trying to pull that move and did not do well. They're going to go cut it all, strip it all down to just guitars and amps, which is great. Because we all know since, like, 2000, when you get a Gibson guitar, the headstock falls off of it rather than the Epiphone that's, like, a quarter of the price and actually keeps playing music for years. So their quality control has been abysmal. And then <laughs> to have abysmal quality control and then um, product part sourcing issues. So they used to make them out of really fine mahoganies and then switching to sustainable things or even finding... Uh, a dwindling supply of a more exotic wood, hugely behind the headstocks falling off, and layers of quality control on things that they're still charging like crazy boutique prices for. So that's what I'm hoping to turn around with Gibson's bankruptcy. Are there like guitar sales now? Or no, it'd be Bluetooth speaker sales, right? Bluetooth guitars. Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> so like you strum a chord and there's the biggest delay ever before you hit it. <laughs> I would actually like to see, I like seeing a visual delay between music 
and hearing it, uh, especially from like live acts. We're thinking I'm hearing that, or uh-huh. that that's happening. I don't well, know, sometimes if you're far enough away in the auditorium, you get yeah, that, there is the right? actual delay. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know. I think it would be like to be up close and see. It. I don't know. I think it's an interesting dynamic that happens. It would certainly mess with your head. Mm-hmm. You seeing like, and you sometimes see that when a guitar is using a reverse pedal, and they'll strum a chord and then that comes in in reverse after storing that. But that delay is actually so significant when you're far back from the stage mm-hmm. that with modern digital mixers like the Behringer X series you're seeing everyone and their dog with, there's actually settings in there that I see used all the time to calibrate for that to where your rear speakers purposefully have a delay so that they blend with the sound coming from the front when you're further back. Mm. Which is crazy. And if you've only worked with like smaller shows and normal analog mixers, we didn't realize that'd be enough of a factor that's in the tech now. And ideally making larger shows less kind of blurry. Because I've been to some, like, stadium even shows where it's like, why am I why am I at this event that's for listening to when I can't even tell, like, when chords are changing? It's just this echoey hall where, like, sports <laughs> are played echoey and I'm supposed to listen to music here and it feels silly. So... Is this, uh, which, which tea is this now? Is this the first one? Oh, uh, yeah, we went back to the first one we had. Yeah. Sweet. Give me a refresher. They're oolongs, right? Yeah, they're both oolongs, yeah. It, this particular oolong has, um, is, is it blacker? Wow. <laughs> Are you a tea expert? <laughs> no, I remembered from this being mentioned earlier. I, I'm being a good pay attentioner. <laughs> I don't remember us uh, saying it was black. We no. said it was roasted. Oh, yeah. But it is blacker, and you know, I never heard it called that term. But you know, all tea comes from the same plants. So, like all mm. the different varieties of tea you see, all come from this one plant named Camellia sinensis. And the difference between a green tea and a black tea is that the tea processor allows oxidation on the leaf. So, just like when you cut an apple or an avocado, it starts to turn brown. It darkens. There's a oxidation process that happens. In green tea, you uh, denature the enzyme that causes that reaction and lock in the green flavor. With uh, oolong tea and black tea, you allow oxidation to happen. In black tea, it's fully oxidized. So when you say uh, the the range of oolong tea can be on the greener side or on the blacker side. So when you said, is this blacker? And this tea's name is actually Black Pearl. Nice. I don't know if you cheated and saw that. But. It was the roasted that just made me go there. <laughs> but I mean, it tastes a little blacker, too. But um, the roasted, does that add any sugars? Like when you when you toast bread? Uh, kind of. Or I mean, I meant to say, it doesn't add sugars, it caramelizes sugars. Yeah, it's caramel- already um, there. Yeah, there's a, there's a reaction that happens there. Um, just like when you, when you uh, cook things. So you get a, a mixture of caramelization and um, Maillard browning, and it, it does change the compounds in it, so that's why different teas have different health compounds to it, different health claims from it, is because the processing does evolve and change the compounds inside, but mostly it changes the flavor. So, you know, like you think about cooking something and caramelizing, like sugar, you put sugar in the pan, over time, as it cooks more and more, the flavor becomes like deeper and more bitter, like a like a more molassesy type of sweetness, so the caramelized sweetness. So that that's what you get when you roast. Nice. Yeah. Man, I'm tea. totally dusting off the little bit of food science I know, <laughs> dragging it all out of the closet. Yeah, I love it. I love it. This... it. It's something that everybody relates to. Everybody can like it. You know, like yeah. 
you know, you're like a rocket scientist or something and you want to like get excited about talking about your field with your friends and it's just like way over their heads. But when you're a food scientist and you talk about it, I can still like use all the big words and sound really smart, but it's something that people, everybody gets excited about because they can all relate to it, you know, because we all eat. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you don't have teeth, you still drink. Legit though, this tea is like so, so freaking good. It's totally living up to the adventure I was anticipating. Yeah. So I hope everyone else is finding a relaxing beverage and snuggling in on this because we're going to dig up some more neglected news. Contactless payments for buskers in London. What is it? There is. Uh, an app, I think it's called Busk, but there's competing apps too. But I think that's the dominant one in London. And now people are having a little machine where you can wave a contactless payment, like on your phone, for example, and and make a payment to a busker. It's super busking supporting over there in London. Whoa. Uh, you had a friend, right? He made the app for you, for you in the States, right? Yeah. What was it called? Which one? Are you talking about the cryptocurrency one? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my friend started a, 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 an app which has since sold, of all places, I think it sold to Airbnb. Mm. Really strange it sold there, but it was called uh, Change Change Tip. And um, you you create your profile there. It, it, it had a, a wallet for whatever cryptocurrency you wanted to use in this app. And then um, if you liked somebody's content online, like let's say, for example, someone listens to this show and they really love it, they they gained a lot of knowledge from it and appreciation and they wanted to send you a tip for being awesome they could tweet to you they could tweet your your handle and then hashtag change tip and amount they want to tip and it just like the 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 crawlers would identify that and just automatically just send the crypto you know to your your account and you could claim it you know it's really great and it's also tweeted publicly which encourages other people to do it. Yeah, yeah. When you're receiving money in a public way for a media enterprise, you set yourself up for total... Um, you To not look like you're the one person in the field dancing alone. Yeah. If one other person comes and dances with you, then the whole festival yeah. comes and dances over in that area. And so things like that being visible are helpful. Yeah. That's something that I like about... Um, Twitch, and I believe they added that to YouTube's streaming too that I'm looking to take advantage of in the next season. Because Facebook, of course, is nothing for that. And uh, that bridges that gap. Mm-hmm. That's a Well, ChangeTip cool used that. to work on Facebook. It used to work on Facebook, Reddit, Twitter. Um, well, it definitely could work alongside of Facebook easily mm-hmm. with that mm-hmm. model. Yeah. Yeah, because all it was was a hashtag. I mean, this is very yeah. simple technology. It's just a hashtag. And the crawler finds that hashtag <laughs> and then figures it out and calculates things and sends the money off. It's and great. as long as someone else isn't sending as you, it's definitely going to be you that posted with that hashtag. Yep. So that yeah, makes sense yeah. to me. But of all things, yeah, he sold to Airbnb, which I thought was kind of interesting. I think it was just uh, what they call an aqua hire. So, you know, they wanted to, Airbnb wanted the the team, the people that built the technology yeah. to come in versus the technology itself. Because I was thinking, oh, that's kind of cool. So Airbnb wants people to be able to tip within its app i i don't know i don't i they they never use the technology itself. i think the picking up the team is totally the thing because yeah. airbnb is right at that pocket right now where they're really under the radar as like a company that grew really fast but might be hitting the peak of what that platform's capable of because there's not a lot of competitors 
but there's only going to be so many houses that are going to do that before it turns into what it has in a lot of places where there's people that basically buy like an apartment complex and then Airbnb it and turn into a, a hotel that's not really what that platform was meant to be. And that's been really controversial since it's become like that era of Airbnb. And with controversy of that and the fact that when you're, you've had uh, meteoric growth investors and people that are pulling money off of it want to see that same growth perpetually, even when it's not like realistic. And that's, that's killer. That can like really kill a company that can't add other things to the portfolio to have that kind of pressure of like the, of not having like a sophomore slump. <laughs> like their business. So I feel like they're knocking at the door of that. It makes sense hiring talented folks to make sure that they stay ahead of competitors, too. Because someone could pop up with a similar system while they're in the midst of controversy and, like, clean house. Yeah, there is a competitor. There is a one. I forget the name of it, but they're they're growing in market market share as well. But, yeah, I love the whole model of, like, shared economy. I think it's really important. I'm a big fan of it. Anything peer-to-peer... Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, that's essentially what I'm trying to build, you know, in my technology company and trying to learn along the way, you know, from these other companies that are growing really fast and how they dealt with that, that scale. Um, you know, I do have some investors like, uh, T-Led is part of the Vegas tech fund. So like the whole Zappos downtown project, when they nice. were investing money into tech companies, uh, we got in on that and we have a couple of other investors, but really most Worthy. of it's... Uh, uh, 500 startups out of Silicon Valley. They're one of the more reputable accelerators. Um, and you're involved with them as well? Yeah. Yeah, cool. I did the accelerator. That's where the tea fairy came from. I was at 500 startups. Um, mm. And uh, then I have a, we have a Bitcoin sugar daddy. He's like an early miner. Um, so he gave us, you're going to, you're going to die when you hear this. He gave us a $50,000 angel investment when Bitcoin was worth $175. And I like exchanged it immediately because because of the paperwork and the taxes, yeah. I had to like keep things clean. So I didn't hold the cryptocurrency. But could you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Holy crap! Right. Man. Yeah. yeah, I had a friend give me like ten dollars of it when it was at three hundred, and then for a while that was like four hundred bucks. That's insane. Now it's hovering around like two hundred. That's cool. You kept it. That's yeah, not I've, a bad amount to just leave in there and see what happens. I first got into into Bitcoin and and researching and getting involved in the community when it was worth, I think, like $40. You know, I had first heard about it even earlier, but I, I didn't really get involved in it and find an application of how I can contribute. And, you know, I've I've had Bitcoin come and go in my business. I've never held any of it. And I'm kind of happy about that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, you must be so rich. You, you must have invested early or you must have been mining early. And it's like, no, nah, I, I never did. You're and, not hodling. Yeah. And, but I still use it a lot. And I love that that's my Bitcoin story. So now when like the, the media interviews me about it or, you know, that's never my story. And, and that shouldn't be the focus of cryptocurrency. It shouldn't be about this. Everyone's horror stories. Yeah. yeah. It should be about its uh, solutions that it can provide to the world mm. of creating more transparency and more connectivity and efficiency uh, between how, how we work together and produce together and consume and together. A, and as a proof of concept for other cryptocurrencies or other things that use blockchain and aren't even currencies, mm -hmm. but using that concept to keep track of medical records or a nation's uh, census, mm -hmm. where otherwise the data is way more disorganized. Yeah. Well, you know, something I, I, I learned recently, um, because uh, 
I was I, I was starting a fundraising campaign for my company, and a lot of people said, "Oh, just do an ICO, do an ICO. That's the hot thing to do right now. You can raise a bunch of money." So I dove in deep into that world. I went to several different ICO pitch events. Uh-huh. Uh, I I spent you know a couple weeks in, in Silicon Valley talking to different top Bitcoin people. You know, Las Vegas is like the hub of like crypto activity going on like there are a lot of crypto business going on here and a lot of these experts run ICOs like the largest ICO to date is a company based here um, and now there's all these sp- spin-off companies of people that consult on making an ICO they charge through the roof uh, for them to you know develop all your paperwork and um, your white paper at least and legalities of it but what I've come to learn is that like all of this talk around blockchain being the solution for data storage and verified data, it's actually, it's false. Um, yeah, it and seems that like only central... certain cases, like banking, mm-hmm. big data things, like a nation it's great for. Or if you're a world bank, mm-hmm. like uh, major world banks, I forget which main one, but there's a main trading institution that's adopting blockchain just to streamline mm-hmm. how they function. Yeah. But yeah, outside of that, it's like, I cannot figure out why uh, a startup that could be a great startup or an app or a service would do an ICO. Why are coins involved in your dog walking business? I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's just, it's a, it's the it's quick a way, and of, fast getting way of getting funding. But, the but SEC then you have to have a whole structure down. for a, holding a coin and block, blockchain structure is so insanely confusing and complicated mm-hmm. to put that on top of something that's already got to be an app with geolocating and all kinds of other crap. It's like, why double the work for the, mm-hmm. and that gets funding? It's so confusing. Yeah. And it's really inefficient when just a simple centralized database that you can host in the cloud yeah. is like so much more efficient and effective. So, <laughs> I'm really grateful that I went through that experience because, you know, just a few months ago when I heard ICOs, like, I thought, okay, this is legitimate. This sounds, this sounds smart. Yeah, blockchain for, you know, centralized information storage. But now that, like, I learned a lot more about it, I'm like, okay, this is wrong. So, like, as of right now, the, the really only application for, uh, cryptocurrency and for blockchain is in, uh, foreign payments. Like, what I've already been doing mm. since 2013. Yeah. So. I'd imagine, say, with the database at TLIT, it's probably something in the SQL family, I um, guess. N- n- no, I don't know what, you know, I'm not the, the hacker, so I can't <laughs> tell you. I just like, um, well, I, I was know just we're kidding. Built, I was basically way normal I don't solutions think we have SQL. I don't think we're using um, SQL, but. But yeah. there's other database things where you don't need to make a blockchain just to keep no, track of. No, yeah, there's of, so many different solutions. More efficient, more <laughs> it's established. massively overkill for that kind of... Yeah, it's so overkill, yeah. It's a trust thing that it really takes advantage of. I see when you have something as complicated as like what uh, medical issues everyone in a country has. It's difficult to search a database like that. And um, you don't have a central thing that can be hacked, which is a way bigger target when it's like a nation or a, a, a banking institution, mm-hmm. but the end user people or, or s- smaller businesses or even like a large business that doesn't have the kind of data that like this small handful of businesses have, it just seems like that doesn't make sense. And it doesn't make sense using ICO as like the next uh, Kickstarter. Yeah. Because like Kickstarter, you make like a profile, GoFundMe, you like fill in the goals that you get with the thing. And then... A cryptocurrency, you have to make a currency. How many of us have even watched, like, a government start a new currency successfully? Like, remember the euro? Remember before? I guess we were, like, all little kids. But I remember, like, the adults jabbering on about how, like, the euro wouldn't work as a Mm -hmm. currency and all the talk about that. And it just seemed like, 
Okay, this is multiple nations using the all of what's known about human economy to do their very best to make a new currency. And now we're seeing, like, people are just trying to make new currencies, in effect, just yeah. to get funding on something. Yeah. This seems so irrelevant to what they're trying to get funded on. Yeah. This is my idea I have, and I've been sharing it everywhere. Not uh -huh. because, uh, you know, I want to hoard my idea and I want to build it. I would love to build it if the time is right and things come together for it. But I also want to see someone else build it, so here's the idea. Um like a microfinancing platform, like a GoFundMe type yeah. of a thing where like legitimate entrepreneurs, kind of like Kiva, you know, can go on and, and create their campaign um, and their utility token, an actual utility token, not like a new currency, but an actual utility token that is attached to the project they're doing and which you involve the buyers. So like, for instance, in my business, I work with the buyers and I'm a marketplace between these guys. And a lot of times, the farmers can't produce the product the buyers want because they don't have the money. They need some capital, and they can't just walk up to the bank. Mm. And if they go to Kiva, or if they go to, like, Grameen Bank, where microfinancing is the most established, the average interest rate is 20%. This is, like, crazy. Jesus. Like it's horrible no. for a corporate financing. <laughs> That's like a credit card. They could just get a Discover card. That's the fine. <laughs> it's so funny how, like, the, the people that need money the most, and this is not, like, big money. This is no. not, like, it's, like, a small little amount of money so you can, like, uh, put some irrigation system in. Like, the people that need the money the most and are the most disadvantaged get screwed the most on yeah. rates. Like, you tell any business owner here in the States, oh, your loan's going to be 20% interest rate. They, are you kidding me? Like, no way. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, this could be a way to leverage the community and crowdfunding, like real legitimate, transparent crowdfunding with blockchain um, and cryptocurrencies uh, to, to fix this microfinancing problem. Um, and, and all of it being collateralized. So this is the reason the way that we get the rates down is it's collateralized on business. So like mm -hmm. the business that's happening on my platform, I know... You can cover safe. your butt. Yeah, yeah, we got the POs here. We're, we're ready to, to provide it. So, um, you know, if I have to build it, I'll build it. Like, I'm not scared of anything. I'll, I I know I don't know anything about technology, but I'll build it. It's a dream situation from the lender point of view because the, the POs are there, the purchase orders. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the market's there. The demand is there. Like on Shark Tank, they talk about that being like, oh, the perfect, the good problem. Yeah. Like, oh, all you need is money thrown at this without being shackled to a bunch of interest. And you, you've got the audience there ready to buy it. You just mm -hmm. don't, the demand's greater than the supply. Mm -hmm. And it's uh, sad to see banks taking advantage of that, these emerging markets and stuff with the uh, crazy interest. But man, it sets you up that you know the demand's there. You can prove it to a backer behind that. that like, mm -hmm. look, if they're getting this interest rate, we can peel off something more decent. And yeah. Well, that's, that's the main thing that I was first attracted to about cryptocurrency and I'm still attracted to is that it, decentralizes the banking system and really empowers all of us, even us sitting right here, uh, to be the banks. You know, everybody mm -hmm. gets to be the bank. And, um, yeah, it's great. I look forward to see where, where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird the massive changes to the economy that we're only seeing kind of after they've already had this weird proof of concept between uh, that and also the micro-gigging economy. On one side, you have things like Fiverr and people having new opportunities to work from home for really small amounts of money, but it's entirely based on how quickly they can turn it around then, whether that amount of money is sustainable or not. So things like I've been doing with um, food delivery, I've mixed in DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Postmates, and they all have their own bouquet of advantages and flaws. 
but knowing the city gives you this advantage to where I can see how these could be abysmal and tragic and, and sad to be stuck doing this as a job and not making a lot of money, but also putting in enough thought and doing it like right, so to speak, and doing it efficiently, you really can do okay and do something with some gumption behind it, especially cooking, cooking them together. So it's this weird combo of like feeling like I'm gaming a new a fast, new section of a new economy, but also seeing like controversy of it evolve as these businesses are having the majority of the people doing what the business does, in this case food delivery, but they're all 1099s, they're all independent contractors. When that whole framework was set up so that independent contractors would only have the tax disadvantages that they have because they're working with a business in a temporary fashion, providing a service that's not what the business already does. Mm -hmm. So to come in and do what the business is supposed to do for them is entirely the model that's supposed to be a double W-2 mm -hmm. and have the government be paying out and it's supposed to be taxed less. Yeah. So there, Uber is another example of another thing falling into that same issue yeah. of this is being taxed totally wrong and the company is kind of gaming it and they're making a lot of money uh, that's hasn't pushed the limit yet of what uh, can be done with that platform. There's still growth in all of those, and yet it's skirting around taxes and causing these people to have to be taxed extra. Basically, the the dashers and the delivery drivers are paying the taxes for the company at this point. Yeah. yeah. So it's a yeah. weird economy with weird economies in it now. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in the future. Yeah. Well, you know, so my business does that, right? Like, I don't, I'm not a tea maker, but I sell tea, right? And, and, uh, the where it comes from is these tea makers. And I kind of feel like they're, we're all completely independent businesses. And, and the term that I've come up for this that I'm advocating for is distributed entrepreneurship. That's, yeah. that's what I like to call it rather than the sharing economy, uh, is distributed entrepreneurship where it's a, it's a real empowerment type of a thing. Like with, with Uber, I drive Uber. And that's uh -huh. my side hustle, so I'm very familiar with, with this. Um, and it's not as distributive of an economy as you're dealing with what you've set up with Tila. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, like, I'm doing it because, you know, I need the money. And mm. I don't think you could make a career out of it. It would not be a wise thing. But you could. Like, someone that really enjoys doing that work yeah. could. And I feel like Uber could do more work of empowering the drivers. The people that are going to take it that far instead of treating it like it's just for the people that are casually doing it. That's yeah. nice to entice them in, but some people are going to go all the way with a pursuit, and it's good for the company to go all the way with their platform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I feel like it's it's more important to focus on both sides of that market. I feel like Uber puts a lot more of their attention onto the passenger, right? Because they're mm -hmm. the one paying, or they got to take good care of the passenger, yeah. and um, the driver's not being as empowered. But you know, at the end of the day, they don't really give a shit because they're going to have driverless cars anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the big thing that we got to stop patting Uber on the back about oh, how good you are because really at the end of the day they're not really trying to promote this shared economy type of a thing. They're, they're aware of the end of the road for that sector of their business yeah. acutely, or they wouldn't put so much into self-drivingness. But the thing <laughs> is, with their new CEO and their shutdown in Arizona, they might be stepping away from self-driving. Oh, that's and good. they might focus entirely on their. Uh, platform for the booking and the scheduling and stuff and put that on top of an existing driverless platform. I think that's likely, likely and smart given the fact that Google's doing exactly the opposite. They could take Google Maps and make their own platform and they might end up doing that, but in the beginning with their driverless cars, 
they were talking as if they might just pluck a platform and put it on top of their driverless cars and then, boom, have an Uber competitor that's driverless. And Uber could set themselves up to be that platform if they focused on making that better instead of, you know, and I hate saying this, but diversifying into all that research and stuff might have taken away from them and let Lyft get such a market advantage like they have, especially in this town. Because Lyft, man, going into the Uber office versus going to the Lyft office, it's like going into a Starbucks versus going into, like, a, like the oldest Dunkin' Donuts in, like, <laughs> Compton. <laughs> it's like going from a DMV to going to, uh, like, a Vons in Summerlin. There's, like, neon signs and colorful furniture and smiling people. And the Uber going in there was, like, I thought there was going to be communist posters on the wall. There was, like, yeah. trade show furniture <laughs> and gray on gray with some gray highlights. There's something um, that I've realized the self-driving cars with Uber. One value that I don't think Uber or even passengers really put enough attention on, the value of being an Uber passenger is the interaction you have with the driver, especially mm-hmm. if the driver's really good, as, like, as far as, like, giving recommendations of where to go yeah. and just, I mean, in some cases, you're, like, a freaking therapist, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, someone's having a bad day, they get in your car, and they're <laughs> going to be in your car for 20 minutes while they unwind before they go home. Th- they talk it out, and, like, there's a lot of value in, in having that person there, and I think that Uber could put more time into encouraging that, um, and, and with the motivation of, hey, you're going to do this because you're going to get better ratings, you're going to get paid better tips. Do tips, your which wasn't better. even in the platform oh under Stephen Kalanick, yeah. which is what makes me still like, I think Uber is a beautiful thing, what it did to create uh, as a like early, early mover in this gigging economy is great. Mad props to him. But man, uh, that alone is like evidence of how dislikable that guy is to me. And I saw it even between Uber Eats and Postmates um, when Uber Eats finally added tips again after like two weeks after Stephen Kalanick was kicked out as CEO, they tossed in the tips just immediately. Like, you know, the whole workforce was like, our platform is struggling because of this one obvious problem because our drivers are not going to take this seriously when there's no difference in their pay uh, by like doing it sloppy or doing it dignified. Whereas, like, I'll show up with a suit jacket on, I go, I go fancy on this, and, like, there's, they really kind of started a low, like, a non-tipping culture. Because of his weird thing against tips and not putting it in the platform, it took months before tips even became a thing that people did in Uber Eats, even once it was added to the app. And even now, it's not as common as it is with Postmates, because it's just, like, a culture, and... American culture depends on tips because our service individuals that are used to getting tips, their pay scale is not worth the job without that factor. Mm -hmm. And if you want people to have a motivation to do a service industry thing like that, like, and be smiling about it and be glad to talk with you, that doesn't just, they're not just going to do that all the time Mm -hmm. without something that is tied to that motivationally, so... Could you imagine if they offered transparency to the passengers of how much money the driver is actually making in this transaction? Oh, you'd be hella tipped. Because <laughs> they'd be like, wow, this dude's spending like 
40 minutes of their day for seven dollars yeah could you imagine if they had that transparency there some of my passengers actually are genuinely curious about that and i will i'll tell them and they'll like tip me more to compensate for that um yeah because it's way off you know when i first started driving uber they told me oh yeah 25 percent 75 percent and it was usually pretty close to that. But now some of the rides I give, the passenger will tell me how much they paid versus how much I made. And it's like Uber is 70% and I'm 30%. And I'm not complaining about how much money I made. I made yeah. enough money. I'm happy with it. <laughs> but it means the passengers are getting, you know, charged a, a little too much. So I think there's still some figuring out to go on there. Yeah, it's weird when um, during busier times of day, I could still only really have time to make like two deliveries in an hour and yet each delivery is making like three dollars with uber eats i'm not about to do this for six dollars an hour no so i've found i've turned uber eats off actually it's that bad for me yeah yeah what what made it good for me was using postmates heat map data oh so i look at postmates heat map but then i had to take it a step farther and actually learned this from jay uh shout out to him on this that if you get used to studying when hot zones get hot, you can get used to seeing like, oh, at this time, this part's not hot, and it usually is. So instead of driving to a hot zone and it just evaporating when you get there, yeah. and it being totally hot in this other place that you were surprised yeah. wasn't hot, yeah. you go to that blank spot that yeah. you know usually is, yeah. and then it lights up by the time you get yeah. there. Yeah. And they're actually trying to put that kind of guesswork into where the hot zones appear. So as much as it's like speculation on speculation, a busy area is a busy area. So you end up just catching the wave yeah. of the oscillation between busy areas as people go from one area to the other, depending on which one's busy. They end up caught in this like super low frequency oscillation. You can end up riding it instead of being against it. And that's what's done a lot better for me as ethereal and can't prove that I'm really doing that as that is. <laughs> it's like a game isn't it it's absolutely like a game and until i took it seriously as a game it made dick and was totally worthless and i totally uh evilly hope that other people getting into it get just as discouraged but then give up so i can swoop in and get all their runs but on the other hand uh you know there's like a lesson there or something <laughs> anyway you guys we're super close to the end it's the last five minutes oh wow um, i just wanted to mention one other thing that was crazy news and that's all the tariffs we're about uh, on the cusp of a creepy trade war and it freaks me out and obviously i'm against it because like we're just tariffing people that are going to tariff us back and it's going to mean a bunch of wasted money and uh stagnant trade and stagnant trades never helped the earth ever have you seen any of the tariff things threaten anything that you're up to or is it too soon yeah so you know, I'm lucky. Uh, tea is the only um, commodity in the world that doesn't have an import tax in any country. What? Yeah. No they, way. There's can, a fun fact. Yeah. Can you want to guess why? Why is that? And I hope you have a good sound effect for this. Does it have to do with opium wars? Well, opium wars is a very important thing that was actually more about tea than about opium. Yeah. Which is smart that you knew that. Yeah. That's intelligent, really. <laughs> but uh, the, the reason for the tariffs is because of the Boston Tea Party. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was like multiple stairs. You want to hear it at the same time? Slop away. <laughs> I thought you would have that sound effect of like uh, an angry horde of people throwing tea off of a boat. You don't have that sound effect? I have people cheering backwards. <laughs> I love this same, one. Let's same thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know. It I mean, sounds wet. <laughs> <laughs>
It's crazy <laughs> how the random impulse sound of clapping is so similar to the random impulse sound of either static uh, EQ'd for like high frequencies or also like running water. Because there's like a lot of little impacts that are the only things loud enough for you to hear. So like when you hear clapping backwards, it hella sounds like water. Oh, yep, yep. It sounds like hot water to me. I feel like hot water sounds different. <laughs> Who's noticed that? Comment below if you've noticed that hot water makes a different sound when it splashes. Because it does. You've heard that, right? I haven't heard that, no. Oh, next time you're like pouring hot tea really like sloppy? Yeah. It has to be like loud. I notice it in the shower. Like the splashing from the faucet will sound different when it gets hot. It sounds like, like plappier. It doesn't have to do, like, maybe your knob makes the water pressure more intense when you turn it more on. and Possibly, more but I've noticed it in different places and also <laughs> pouring liquids, like when you're pouring, like, hot spaghetti. Oh, okay. I know the consistency is going to be, like, thicker with spaghetti particles coming yeah. off of that. Maybe it's entirely the spaghetti particles, you guys. Help me confirm. I swear. Yeah. I swear someone's confirmed this before, but I have no proof that hot water sounds different when it splashes around in cold water. But I promise, I promise it's real with no proof of it yet to you. But yeah, I'll post something. Get ready. Oh, we actually have some comments that happened that I neglected. Uh, oh, hey! Shout out to Esparky V. Aloha. Yay, two alarm farms. So you got two yeah, alarm that's farms. one of the tea growers we work with. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Justin Ewan asked, what's brewing tonight? Oh, oh, oh man. He, Justin, you should have been here for the team. And the second one, that was fire, man. Oh, yeah, the, we were filming some energy. The Benson Beauty. Yeah, it was very aromatic. Yeah, very aromatic yeah, yeah, special. Local celeb Brian Garth hollered. Okay. Yeah, from Black Camaro. He asked, what's your guest name? And I'm curious what she's repping. But, of course, we covered that. Yeah. This is an old post. But shout out to Brian. Chris, we mentioned, want some of them stickers. Oh, oh, oh. did you bring more T-Lit stickers? Yep, yep. Ah, yeah. I'll hook him up with some. <laughs> and then we've got a bunch of waves. Jay, uh, oh, we've got a wave from, uh, we've, no, we've got a thumbs up from... Wait for it. Fresh Rye, who is um, another one of our friends from, I want to say Bangladesh, yes. Oh, yeah. Awesome to have some comment interaction from across the pond. And, oh, you waved. I got your wave. Yep. All I right. snuck it in. Well, we've got to bail so the next show can happen. Bye, everybody. It's the end of the blast in that end song. Right, you gotta say, like, this delicious tea is what I didn't know I needed. Stay delicious, life. everybody. Yeah. Alright, now I'm ending this one. Bye everybody in iTunes. Like uh, like and like it in stars. All the stars. Give us all the stars and then like a paragraph. Write a paragraph about us on iTunes. <laughs>